What's today's date? The first day of the first week of the last six months of this year. In other words, the half the year is gone. It ended yesterday. So it's a brand new day, brand new month, and brand new rest of the half of three, 2013. How many people are uh, seventh graders? Dave, thank you. I said seventh grader, not seven IQ. Yeah, I finished seventh grade. So you're about 12, I guess, or 13 or so. Sixth grade? Eighth grade? Ninth grade? Tenth grade? Eleventh? Twelfth? It's good. I'll tell you that reason why, because I've been a school teacher before and I've taught all those grades. I've been an elementary school principal. Uh, I've been a, actually taught a couple of classes on college, so it's all that level. So welcome to Tapawingo. I love teaching school, but I love this even better. And I am uh, glad you're here. Check this out and see if you agree then. This is uh, our week together, junior high week. This is the very first week of junior high week, so I'm glad I can be here. My name is Edgar Moser. If you know me, uh, raise your hand. Hey, good. It's good today. I've actually got three people from Life Point Church, four people from Life Point Church sitting right in front of me right now. You can figure out who those guys are because I brought them from our church. Check this next thing out then. Yes, my name is Edgar Moser, but I would rather introduce you to the most important people in the family of the Mosers. Here they are. My wife Jenny is at the left, and my wife Andy is in the middle, and Andy and I got to graduate together in 2011 from Liberty University. We both got a master's degree. He got one, uh, his Master of Divinity, and I got one in um, church planning, evangelism and edu- uh, church planning. That includes evangelism. Uh, put that together with church planning, because you know what church planners are? Let me tell you now. If you want to be a church planner, what you really do is go out and just like Paul said, it's almost like a seed. God puts it here first, and then I want to go plant a church, and I get to uh, start with my family. It has now went from five or six to ten to twelve. We now got forty people at Life Point. Twenty of those have been baptized in the last two years. So we've getting to reach people, and they either get saved, they get back into church, and then our church grows. So we're not getting people from a lot of other churches. We're getting people who don't even go to church, unchurched people or unsaved people. That's who our target group is. The name of our church is uh, Life Point, but I will tell you this, I pray in my other job. I'm a driver's ed teacher on a high school level. That's why I ask. Anybody getting their license? License to kill. Oh, it's um, some of you who uh, drive pretty well. Some others of you need to practice a whole lot. Uh, is driver's ed required in the state of Tennessee? No. We have to drive 45 hours in, uh, in Virginia, 15 of which you have to be at night. Can I give you at least one driver's ed story? Here we go. We're getting on interstate one day. Interstate, we go through six or seven. We go through seven days. Last day, I give them a test. If you fail the test, you don't get your driver's license. I am the DMV. I, I whether you know, I decide whether this person goes on or not. This girl uh, was getting on interstate one day. One of my former students years ago. She's now married and got several children. But I still remember that day. I didn't know whether any of us were ever going to have children because I thought we were going about die as we got on interstate. But anyway, we're getting ready to get on interstate. That's called the entrance ramp. Turns into the acceleration lane. Then it, that last area is called the merge, you decide. So I teach them it's nothing but a lane change. You check your mirrors, give you a signal, glance back, and then glide on. That's all it is. So we've practiced that over and over, so here's what she did. She checked her mirrors. 
afraid. No, she checked her mirrors, clicked on the signal, glanced back and went, ah! and covered her eyes because a double tractor trailer was going by us. One of those UPS, it's actually two tractor trailers. So she glanced back, looked back, and went like this. Took her hands off the wheel and covered her eyes. I mean, that, what she should have done was like this because that's how you look in death. You know, you could have just went ahead and, because I thought we were going to do that. Big tractor trailer went by and I glanced and she's over there, ah, like this. The person in the back is now, dear Lord, I just want to thank you for that because they're in between praying and writing out a wheel. But I went ahead and I, I put my foot over there. I don't have an accelerator on myself. I got a brake. I've got a brake, a mirror, and a Bible. So, I'm, you know, I'm pretty good on that side. So, brake I use often, Bible I cling to, and the mirror sees death coming up behind us. But anyway, I, re- I reached over there and grabbed the uh, accelerator, pushed that down, and we went in front. I couldn't get the signal. It's a little bit too far. But then we went right in front of that truck. Still had a lot of time. She just panicked. So she took her hands down and shaking, and it's like, where's that truck? And I went, look in the rearview mirror. And she went, how'd he get back there? I thought, no help to you. I started, <laughs> no, I didn't. I said, we, we were able to pass him. You okay? And then she calms down. It's like, let's try. And I got her off and got her right back on. You know that old saying, if you fall off a horse, what do you do? No, shoot the horse. No, I just get, ha. <laughs> no, you don't shoot the horse. Here's the name of my church. It'll be a quiz on that at the end of the week. Life Point, Pointing Lives to Christ. John 1, 29. Last thing I'll show you is this. Two of my favorite people here are stuck in this room with me. That's my son Andy at the left, and that's Uncle Paul. Uncle Paul came up to Life Point, did a magic show for us at Life Point Church while we did a big, it's a field day or a block party, whatever you'd like to call that. So Andy and Uncle Paul. That's enough about our family. We've been coming here for 24 years. My son's 30. So when Andy first showed up, he was six years old, and we've been coming here that long. So some of you have seen me in the last five or six, ten years, whatever. I'm glad you still come back. God's good to us. And I have spent many times sitting right up here praying with Uncle Paul, and God just seems to work, and I'm, uh, I'm thankful. All right. What are we going to do this week? I don't know. I want to introduce. Anybody know what the theme is this week, by the way? Okay. Let's look at this, and you see. Um, I want to remind you of this. Superheroes is the theme. So I don't know what you think superheroes are, Everybody could probably define superheroes for us, but see if you agree with this one. My first picture is this guy. wonder who that is. It's no trouble at all. Who's this? I'll, I'll make it harder this time. Who's this next person? No, that's not. For those who said Superman, I need to talk to you all after the chapel. If you all think that's Superman, anyway, who is that? Okay, we got them. Now I'm going to make it tougher on you. Here's a picture that you don't see too often. Of the first picture, I'm going to change him to this guy. Who's that guy? Well, we don't. We just need his uh, name that he... Uh, not the Batman, but who's the character that... Y'all said this. Uh, who's the next person then? See, that just shows you don't know. Thought you did, but you didn't, huh? Here's the last one. See, now you knew two out of the three. So let's go back. The first one is a guy named by the name of, yeah, that's Bruce Wayne. That's the person that turns into Batman. Second person, that's called Diana Prince. She actually works as an army, you know, a wave there in the, on the base, and she becomes Wonder Woman. The last guy is called, uh, yeah, that's Clark Kent. So you did know who they were to begin with, so I guess if you had to pick one of their personalities, you all know Batman, Superman, or Wonder Woman, but we don't really know all those guys i got a question for you. Who are they really? They are those guys. 
they become the first ones. So y'all didn't even really know who they were. Oh, so you mean that is Bruce Wayne. Yeah, Bruce Wayne's the guy that lives in the house and has Alfred as his butler. He only occasionally becomes Batman. So y'all knew him by the one he's only Batman a little bit. These guys, that's who they are to begin with. Then they change into the other ones. But just for fun, let me ask you this. See if you know. What one thing do all superheroes have in common then? I just now gave you a big hint. No, they don't have... Some. Okay. It's sort, of like, it's, sort of, it's sort of like Price is Right. I can't hear everybody, but uh, let me give me an answer. Uh, could be. They might have a nemesis there that comes up against us. I agree with that. Yes. Uh, in essence, they're all humans. I don't know if I would... Superman, they actually say he's a guy from Kryptonite. You know, Kryptonite, he's Krypton. What else? They have, a, they have a costume, a uniform, or whatever they wear. Still, I'm looking for one other thing. Giving them good. Yes? What? Nah. Wonder Woman doesn't wear tights, I don't think. Yes? They could save people. Yeah, I'll give you the one I'm looking for. I'll give you one more answer here. Yes, in the back. Or keep going. They have a... What kind of identity? Yeah, they have... So I think he's getting close to it. That's this. They have a secret identity. They have a secret identity that no one knows. Alfred has actually been entrusted with the idea that's the Batman's butler there. So it says, Alfred, you can't tell anybody that Bruce Wayne becomes Batman. Clark Kent, he doesn't really trust anybody. Well, I guess his mom and dad as he grew up. But Clark Kent, he keeps his secret. They have a secret identity that only... Yeah, they got to keep themselves. Why don't they let everybody know who they are? Because they think... I think harm would come to their family. So Batman, if Bruce Wayne walked out and says, I'm Batman, really. If you'd, if you'd stop and think Bruce Wayne puts on a mask to become Batman, Clark Kent takes off glasses. Diana Prince takes off glasses. So a couple of them take off glasses and become this other, their secret identity. No one could ever know about this. So they have a, a nemesis, like you say. They have an arch enemy. They have weaknesses. So let me keep going. They have a secret identity. That's what they all have in common. They all pretend to be a certain person, but they change to become someone totally different. Clark Kent, they do this on purpose. Clark Kent's real shy. He doesn't want to hardly talk to anybody. He's uh, sort of nervous as he gets around Lois Lane. So he's a nerd, so to speak. But yet he becomes Superman that everybody wants to be around. Wayne Manor, he's the millionaire and everything. He just sort of lives there quietly. I don't think Batman lives a quiet life. Same thing with Diana Prince. She's an, a wave in the army. She would be like, a, we'd call them, whether she's a nurse or works in the office, but she's sort of like quiet, sits there in the army office, but she comes out and becomes Wonder Woman. But I want to show you something else then. A pretend, you, it's okay. Little kids will do this. It's okay to play pretend for a while, but then sooner or later we've got to tell the what? We've got to tell the truth. Let me show you this. This guy's going about to uh, see the truth. Who in the world is this guy? I thought I'd pick somebody that nobody in this room probably knows of. Well, this guy, no, good guess, but he keeps going. He's, uh, he's looking up at something that's sort of really scary. Well, let me give you a hint as to who this is, and you'll know what he's looking at. Here's what his name is. His name's Dr. Jekyll. Uh, Who's he looking at? Hyde. Yeah, he must be looking at Mr. Hyde. Here's what Mr. Hyde... <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Mr. Hyde needs to go to the dentist really quick. Okay. Bless his heart. Okay, I'm going to tell you. Here we go. I just thought I'd throw this one in there. Now, Superman is a nice guy all the time. Clark Kent's a good guy. Diana Prince, is, she's a good person. And the last Clark Kent's a good... They change into something even better. 
But I thought I'd throw this one in there just sort of mess with you. Robert Louis Stevenson, who wrote Treasure Island, kidnapped. In about 1895, he came up with this idea, 1885, he came up with this idea. He actually told his uh, wife he was getting this. He woke up from a dream one night. He says, you know, what would it be sort of like good versus evil? And he said, wouldn't it be cool if that good versus evil wasn't a nemesis like, like Superman fights Lex Luthor? We don't have that. Or the Batman fights the Riddler. How about if this person fought this person and that person and this person are actually one and the same? Wow. That was, that was unique back in the 1800s. You know, so he writes out this story. One night he was going to sleep and he was about to doze off. Now he's sleeping and all at once, you know, his wife sort of, you know, his wife woke him up and she said, you're mumbling and you, matter of fact, you're screaming. And he says, what'd you wake me up for? I was almost into the second chapter. He said, I was dreaming this story. So he got up and started jotting it down. Most people take weeks to write a novel. He wrote this one in three days. How quick is this? So he wrote Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Here's what the story is. Dr. Jekyll is this nice guy that starts with a, almost like we'd call it a split personality. Something inside him changes. He becomes this dangerous man that wants to go out and kill people. So he got a nice guy who's yes sir, no sir, and treats everybody politely, and he changes into someone else. You say, well, is that the only person? His personality would just split. By the way, we have two things inside of him. Scientists would later say, you have those two things inside you. Once I get saved, my old nature, does it ever leave me? No. It's there. I have a new nature, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Every man that's in Christ is a new creation. Well, I have now a new person. I've got that old person. Which one lives? Which one becomes strong? The one I feed. So if I read and pray, my new nature gets stronger. And the old nature, the old Edgar, it used to be around years ago, sort of shrinks back and he's not seen very often. Well, with this guy, his personalities are almost fighting. One would be strong and the other one, they just took days. Finally, you know, the story ends in tragedy. The Dr. Jekyll ends up being, you know, killed. Let me, uh, this person didn't drink a secret formula, but one person a long time ago in the TV show did. Y'all remember who that was? He was Dr. David Banner. Drank a little potion, turned into someone. Yeah, that's what this guy is. So he didn't have a split personality, and he didn't put on a costume. So at the very, yeah, Bruce, well, this is David. I don't know if you ever remember him. Uh, yeah, all the way to the left, Dr. Bruce Kimball. This guy would change into the hull. Now, he didn't have to change the costume. He just had to replace clothes often because he would usually break out of the ones he had. And Lou Ferrigno, I think he was about four-time Mr. Universe. He was six foot nine, weighed 275 pounds. So uh, I couldn't believe that the guy he changed from, like about 5'8", 140, changed into 6'9", and 275. So... Superhero? Well, the Hulk was later used in, uh, y'all remember what he was in? The Fantastic what? Yeah, Fantastic Four. He actually became one of those guys. Well, enough about superheroes, but my point is this. Which one are you tonight? Well, I got a surprise for you. Some of you got, I don't know, a struggle within. Matter of fact, I don't know that I see everybody. In other words, just for a second, if everybody, you know, if I changed and I looked out and I saw Batman uniforms all over the place, I would probably bring some of you up and let's pretend I'm going to pick on Uncle Paul. If I brought Uncle Paul up and I didn't know him, I'd say, okay, Batman, whoever you are, take a, oh, Uncle Paul, what do you got the mask on for? Well, everybody likes me as Batman, but nobody likes me as Uncle Paul. I think, well, they do too. Well, I don't know. Do you know we actually do that? We put on a mask and we pretend to be someone else so that people will like us better. That's called putting on an act. Well, they won't like me if I'm this way, so I'm cool. Matter of fact, we sort of become like this guy. Did I ever do that? Yeah, I'd be lying to you if I didn't. If I'd go to church, I'm yes sir, no sir, and I'm not. When I grew up into high school, if I went to church, I was one kind of person. When I left church and I was around high school friends, 
I was a different person. I sort of put on a mask and I was someone else. I'm Mr. Cool now. Why don't you act like you do in church? Because my friends won't think I'm cool. So I'm one guy in front of my friends. I'm another guy at church. What do y'all call that? Wishy-washy. Other people would call me a hypocrite, whatever you want to call it, but you're not the same person. You know, after a while, just think for a second. Batman gets up. The bat phone rings. Commissioner Gordon calls and says, Batman, we need you down here. He jumps up, runs down there, and he's like, Bruce Wayne, what are you doing here? Bruce Wayne, I'm Batman. No, you're not. Well, I forgot to put my mask on. Goes back home, puts it, yeah, now I'm Batman. Okay, and your voice changed too, but okay, I'm glad you're here. Just think, one of these days you're going to forget to change. And you're going to show up in front of mom or dad and three words will come out. Where did you learn that from? I'm sorry, I was thinking I was in front of my friends. Or can you imagine being in front of your friends? Hey, yeah, look at that. Look at that girl coming out there. God wouldn't want us to do that. God, oh. What was, oh, I'm sorry, I thought it was at Sunday school. You know, and after a while, we call that split personality, sort of. We call that, we're being one person and this person. Does that get hard? Yeah, sort of a pretending that you're this person or that person. Tonight, I don't know if I see the real you. I might see a lot of Batman uniforms, or I might just say, okay, who is the real you? Would the real, used to be a TV show like this called To Tell the Truth. They'd have three people come out, and they'd all sit down, they'd tell a story, and then everybody, all of them had the same story, and now contestants could ask them questions. And these all three people would say the same thing. And at the end, you realize two of these people had been doing what all the show? Lying. And they would say, whatever the man, let's say Robert Johnson. Would the real Robert Johnson please stand up? And these four panelists over here would vote for who they, And oftentimes they'd be fooled. It's like, I thought you were really the rock. No, no. And let's say Robert Johnson was a doctor in New York waiting as a pediatrician waiting on babies. And after a while they would guess and one guy would stand up and they'd vote for him and says, you're not Robert Johnson? No. My name's Gary Jones. I work at the Shell Station right down the road. So you're not a doc. No, no. I fooled all of y'all by saying something that I wasn't. So he sort of fools you. Do you know, I've got a story tonight. Would you find Judges chapter 6? I'm going to tell you about a story that the man fooled someone. He was a great artist, great actor. He fooled people so well. Well, I'll show you the story. Superheroes. Check out this next thing then, please. Turn to the book of Joshua. Joshua, let me find it for you. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Judges, Joshua. Excuse me, Joshua, Judges. We're going to look at both of them. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And who took over for Moses? Joshua. Next book, sixth book, Joshua. So Moses dies, Joshua takes over for him. Thank you. Okay, if you got Joshua, we're going to look at it together. Joshua. Chapter 6, mm, don't have a Batman or a Superman or a Wonder Woman. We're going to talk about a real person because the Bible's real. This is a real story. I believe the Bible. So this is a real story? Yeah. Let me show you something about Joshua chapter 6. Matter of fact, look at verse 13 of chapter 5, just the last few verses. Joshua is a little nervous. He has just brought all these people that Moses had been leading forever. They are now about to walk into what we call the promise land. Promised land begins with a battle. So they walk across. They're going to go across a, what kind of river? No, no. Moses crossed the Red Sea. This guy crosses the what? The Jordan River. I thought that's cool. Moses is a big guy, crosses the big Red Sea. Joshua is not quite the leader of Moses, but good guy. He crosses the River Jordan. And so they cross the River Jordan. By the way, the Red Sea parted and all the Israelites went across. When Joshua went across the Jordan, the river parted and they went across. Isn't God neat up? Okay, they crossed the river. 
they're now ready to take this battle, enter this battle called uh, Jericho. Verse 13 of chapter 5. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or our enemies? Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. Well, that was a fine thing. It's like, okay, are you on their side or our side? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army. Has anybody ever heard uh, Chris Tomlin's song? I know who goes before me. I know who what? Stands behind the what? Here he is. This is the God of angels' army. Yeah, this is God. Yeah, I think it was. The commander of the army of the Lord. As commander of the army of the Lord, I have come. I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down in, in the ground in reverence. Why? He's talking to God. You, sometimes people believe this, that Jesus actually showed up before the, the Bethlehem scene. This is God. God, in a super way, lets Joshua speak to him. Joshua drops down in reverence before him and asks him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? Now, remember what I said? Moses crossed the Red Sea. They parted and went across on dry ground. Joshua's army crosses the River Jordan, goes across on dry ground. By the way, Moses was called by God at the what? The burning, burning bush. He shows up the burning bush. And what did God say? Stop Moses and do what? Take your shoes off your own holy ground. Watch what this angel does to Joshua. The commander of the Lord's army replied, Stop, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Same thing. So Joshua's getting sort of like, hmm, deja vu. I'm going right back to Moses' time. So here's, what was the story? He just knew that God's angel was there, that God was with him. So chapter 6, Jericho was tightly shut up because the Israelites, no one went out, no one came in. They've got them all you know, boarded up. So we're, it's sort of like we're in a standoff. We put, close the windows, close the doors. We're in this house. We're not going to let you come in. You're not letting us come out. So here's what happened. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men, so march around the city with all, you guessed it, you know this story, with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times and the priests blowing trumpets. When you hear them, the walls will collapse and they'll go in and take the city. That happened. On that seventh day, they blasted the trumpets. The walls fell down. They went in and got the, all the things out of the city. And they took gold, silver, and everything else. Turn to the last uh, chapter 6, verse uh, 15. Chapter 6, verse 15. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak. That would have excluded some of you in the room. They got up at daybreak. They marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day they circled the city seven times. And on the seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet, the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you this city. So they went in, but here's what he told them. Verse 17, you can have the city and all that is in it. They're to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot, the prostitute there, she's the one who hung the red thread out to help the spies to know where the city was to when to come in and its weakness. She will be spared because she sent, she hid the spies. But keep away, keep reading right here, keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring disaster on it. All the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron are being sacred to the Lord must go into the treasury. So sure enough, what was this little thing then? We're going to go in and take this city, but make sure none of you becomes a thief. We're going to take this stuff, but we're going to put it into the treasury of the Lord. Can I put that in everyday language? Whatever we get, we take to our church and put it in the what? 
putting in the offering. If I started a plate right here and we go around and we say, what if you were sending that plate around? I'm up here with eyes closed saying, God, would you just bless this offering because it's your money and may you use it. And by the time the offering plate comes to you, instead of taking your wallet out and putting something in, you come by and just go right on by. You say, what would you do? I need some money. You didn't steal from the pastor. You didn't even steal from the church. You stole from you stole from God just now. Well, it's not God's money. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, we take we take that money and we use it for God's house. Use now. What if the, by the time the plate got to the end, it was empty? Everybody just sort of helps himself. Well, that would be horrible for everybody. Well, they went into this battle and one person helped himself. His name is Achan. And by the end of the story, he was Achan. Yeah, he was more than Achan. He was in big-time trouble. So he went in and stole a few things. He now becomes Batman, so to speak. He puts on a mask. If somebody asks him the next day, he stole some things. Everything's fine. They win the battle. They go out. Everybody's celebrating. Aiken's back in his tent with some robe and gold and silver. And Okay. He gets up the next day, puts on the old Batman's uniform, so to speak. I'm a ready soldier. I'm ready to go. And Joshua says, thank you for volunteering, Abel. We're okay. Matter of fact, this next little old town is called A.I. It's a small town. And we don't even need all the men to go up there. We don't need thousands. And th- Let's send about 3,000 people up. That's overconfidence. Let's just send it up, route this little old town. Jericho's a big city. We needed everybody's arm. But this one's small. Let's just go up and beat them, go, those guys up, and then we'll just keep on our march knocking down people. Well, sure enough, they go into AI. Everybody's ready to win the battle. They lost. 36 men were killed in that battle. Word came back to General Joshua. Guys bloody, tore all to pieces, salutes Joshua, and Joshua says, what in the world is going on? You're not going to believe this. We lost. What? We, we lost this battle. That, that's not so. Yeah, it is. Quit joshing around. <laughs> that's what Joshua said. Quit joshing with me. We won, didn't we? No, this was awful. You're supposed to win this battle. I know. So he goes over and just sort of falls on his face. <laughs> that must have hurt. We fell down. He's, what he was really doing, he falls down and he says, Oh, God, why did you let this happen? Why did you, in my language, it's almost like this. God, why did you do what? Why did you turn your back on us? Why did you abandon us? Why did you let this happen? Why did you let us get defeated? And he's just down on the ground. And you know what God says? Two words. Stand up. Joshua stands up. It's like, can I paraphrase what God says? Don't sit there complaining to me and sitting there on your face and falling down and act like everything's my fault. It's your fault. What do you mean my fault? I told you not to steal anything and somebody in your army did. Not that I know of. I know. So here's what we do tomorrow. I want you to get up bright and early in the morning, and I want you to call chapter 7, verse 14. And in the morning, I want you to present yourselves tribe by tribe, clan by clan, family by family, man by man, and we're going to find who stole the stuff. We're going to find the Batman in the group, and we're going to unmask him tomorrow. So chapter 7, verse 14 says, In the morning, present yourselves, and it keeps right on going. So guess what? They decide to do this. Chapter 17, verse 16. Early the next morning, Joshua had Israel come forth by tribes, and Judah was taken. Now, can you imagine right here, if I said someone in this room stole some stuff, if you were born in the month of December, you can go ahead and go to the cabin. Most of you go, And then if I said if you were born in the first three months of the year, you can go. January, February, March, you could go. 
Some of you are still sweating bullets there going, he hasn't let me go yet. And then if I just kept calling off months and we finally had all the months leave but May, how many people would still be in this room? May. One of y'all stole something. I just thought I'd tell you. Okay. We got about five or six potential thieves in the room. Everybody's gone but these guys. And if I said if you were born in the last 10 days of May, last 11 days, 20 through 31, you could leave. Did I lose anybody right there? Okay, you're gone. How about in the, about these days from the first five days we could go? Did we lose anybody else? What if we come back and said, okay, only the people born on May 7th, 8th, or 9th. Is anybody still in the room? Still is. What's your birthday? You can go. Not really. I'm just... What's your birthday? May 8th. How about this then? On May 8th, if you were born on May 8th, I need to have you come up here and shoot you. If you're over, if you're under the age, if you're over the, how old are you? 15, if I said, if you are 15 years of age, born on May the 8th, well, I'll tell you what, I'll change the rules just a little bit. You have to be older than 15. He would suddenly go, I'm 15, and I was born on May the 8th, but it's not me. So nobody in this room was guilty. No, that would be a lie. My son's born on May the 8th, and he's 30 years old. So now I've got to bring him up here and do the same to him. So we just now dodged a bullet sitting right there, but we just now passed a bullet on to my son. Well, guess what? Aiken's doing the same thing. He's standing right here, and people start calling things off, and everybody's dropping by. And finally, if you were just like we did, and they narrowed him down, boom, Aiken. Why did you steal it? You know what you do sometimes when you get caught? You finally say, okay, I did it. No kidding. Everybody knows now. So here's what Achan does. Verse 20 of chapter 7. Achan replied, All right, it's true. I have sinned against the Lord. Really? The God of Israel. This is how what I've done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them. That means he wants them. And so I took them. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. You'll go in there and find it and all that. So now that I've confessed, nobody's going to get mad at me. You got that wrong. They went in there, and sure enough, they found it, and they come out and said, Aiken, is this the stuff you've stolen? Yes, it is. Okay, we need to bring Aiken over here. Matter of fact, not just Aiken, his whole family, his cattle, anything that he ever owns, we're going to come right over here, and they stoned him to death. And they lit him on fire and covered him up with rocks. You think they had any repeat offenders the rest of the time in Joshua? I sometimes wonder about those countries that find you stealing and they chop your hand off. sort of cuts down on the stealing. I don't think you're going to do that. Matter of fact, you're not going to steal, and I won't because I've seen how harsh this is. And you think God's harsh. God had to stop this or they wasn't going to win the battles anymore because they're now going into the promised land. Things are going to get a whole lot tougher. So it's a lot like the Marines. Do you really want to be here? No, I'm going to run you off. And you've got to come up with an attitude. You can't run me off. I'm going to be here all the time. So God says, I'm going to get rid of the people that don't want Achan, they're gone. Does anybody else want to be a thief? Now he's got their attention. So Achan's this. Joshua chapter 6, Achan did this. Check out this one. Boom, there it is. What do you think? I guess Achan pretended to be a what? He's really a thief. Joshua, I'm ready to go. No, you're ready to go over there and be stoned and 
burn up and kill because we don't need you. Finally, he takes off the Batman uniform. You know what? You're right. I was putting on a big act. Ooh, it cost him. Aiken's just one story. Flip over to just a few pages later to chapter 9. Now, who did Aiken fool? Who did He fooled Joshua for a little bit. And Joshua inquired of God. This is very important. Joshua inquired of God, and God said, you go do this, and they found out who stole. This next story... It's a mat. I'm off up here. This next story, Joshua's going to be fooled. You're exactly right. Again, he does not inquire of the Lord, and he keeps on being being, being fooled. Joshua chapter 9, the Gibeonites. Joshua goes back, by the way, and they win the battle of Ai big time, and they just wipe them out. And the next little group coming up on them, they learn a lesson. And the people that live in Gibeon decide to do this. We have got to come up with a plan. Joshua has beat Ai, but before that he beat Jericho. Then he come up and he beat Ai. So he, let's pretend like this is a football schedule. We're the third team of the season. This team blew somebody away about 60 to nothing. The next team they beat 42 to 6. It's like, ugh, they've scored 100 points and we're the third team. This ain't looking good. Could we just change sports and have a badminton team for the next week because we're going to, we're going to get killed, you know? I've never dreaded playing a team. I remember in my high school years, at my senior year, we lost a team called Radford High School, the Radford Bobcats. When we got ready to play Radford, they had a 10 and 0 record, or they had a 9 and 0 record. Excuse me, we were the last team to play in the final season. They beat us 32 to 12, by the way. And you say, y'all must not have been very good. We kept them from scoring in the fourth quarter with about a minute on the clock. We never gave up. They were a superior team to us. And I remember the first thing, I wasn't on the field. That wasn't unusual for me. And I was standing about where this podium was right here when the game first started. And their quarterback, he got the ball like this and turned around. Nobody was there. It was like a busted play. But they had a little safety valve. And this guy I was standing about right back through here, his name was Bill King. Later played at the University of Maryland. So uh, Kenny Otterman, their quarterback, turned and went like this. And there was nobody there. And out of habit, he just went like this and threw Bill King the ball. This is a busted play, highly unorganized. How is it going to end? Well, he's going to trip and fall and gain nobody. No, it's the opposite. Bill King sitting there like this. Oh, here's the ball. Broke through the line. He missed a few tackles right here. Got away from people. And I was standing right here on the, on the sideline. And Bill came right down. He brushed me on the chest. I later thought, what should I have done? Could I trip? No, oh, you can't do that, though. i got to show sportsmen. Hey, Bill. <laughs> Sorry. You know, you can't do that to people. Or as he comes around, just grab his face mask. Oh, you know, he's looking at the ear hole. What are you doing? I broke my neck. I can't do that to him. I had to be a sportsman. But, I mean, he brushed me coming by. He's almost coming out of bounds like that. Then one of our guys finally realized what was coming. He'd come over here. I still remember this. It's funny. Freddie Fields was his name. Graduated the same year. Freddie came right up behind him. And Bill just saw him. And then it was like this on the film. You could see it. Here's Freddie. Here's Bill. You know, it's like a turtle trying to catch Jeff Gordon. So it suddenly I... Freddie never saw him. He came off the sideline and said, I almost had him. We all said, yeah, started laughing. You and a Harley Davidson. Y'all could have never caught Bill King. I mean, he just now ran a 100-yard dash, basically, in about nine seconds. That's a busted play. First play of the game, and they just scored. What's the rest of the evening going to be? It ain't good. We come over there to the sideline like, this is going to get real ugly. You know, this is sort of like a Shrek family reunion. It's going to get ugly real quick because if I can't even keep up with this team and it's broken, wait until they get organized. Does it, does it get worse? Oh, yeah. We were on 
offense now. We have the ball. Ricky Taylor reaches down and grabs a, going to snap it. He snaps it to Ricky Ballard, our quarterback. Ricky Taylor now stands up in front of Ricky Ballard, our quarterback. Their middle linebacker, Ralph Fisher, reaches over, gets them both, and goes, and throws them to the ground. And I'm going, hmm. I thought, you know, the Hulk had just walked on. Ralph Fisher later played at the University of Maryland. You saw, I've never heard of him. He started there about four years. I've never heard of Ralph Fisher. You know why? Because he played beside Randy White, their Outland Trophy winner that later went to the Dallas Cowboys. So Ralph Fisher's playing beside a major NFL player at the University of Maryland. That was our evening, and I thought, it's only going to get worse. Well, just for a moment, and you know, I'm a trooper, and I'm going to stay right there. Not a state trooper. I, I mean, I'm somebody that's going to stay with the game. We never quit. We, but just a little hint of me wanted to just say, let's stop this before it gets ugly. Well, guess what? The Gibeonites go, let's stop this before it gets ugly. We've been getting the news feeds down here. The Gibeonites drinking coffee comes in, whoo, throws a newspaper in front. Joshua's army is going to destroy everyone in his path. We're hitching a ride out of town. Honey, pack the clothes and the kids. We are gone. Joshua's army will be here in about a day. And then suddenly, we can't run from these guys. We can't fight them. Got her. Let's put on a mask and pretend to be somebody that we're not. Who are we going to pretend to be? And they all get in a big circle and they're sitting there going, who can we be? Wonder Woman? No, I ain't going to be no Wonder Woman. Big old tough guy, hair on his arms, chest, you know, about a tattoo, mother. He ain't going to put on no skirt. So I ain't going to be no Wonder Woman. You going to be Batman? Sure, who is that? Oh, forget it. It's all right. Uh, I got it. Instead of pretending like we're strong, let's pretend like we're weak. And let's pretend like we're from another place. Yeah, that's it. That's good. Let's pretend like we're travelers from a far off different. Yeah. Got it. Can everybody agree with that? Y'all, yeah, break. They take bread and lay it out, let the sun sort of crust it up a little bit. They take their clothes and go over there and rub them on rocks to make holes come in them, like your jeans are right now. Anyway, they scrub them. They didn't pay $75 for those. They beat up their jeans. They get dirt all over their face. They got crusty bread, put mold on it. They can do the best they can. And now the dust is starting to come up into this. I bet you a couple of them are just slashing up. Quick, don't whimper. You'll give us away. We need to come up with an accent. All right, all right. No, no, that's not going to work. I got it. If you hold the spitting cobra right to my face, no, no, we don't need that accent either. We've got to come up with something different. Uh, Mexican. Mexican in Israel? No, that's not. Well, what are we going to do? I don't know. I'll think of something. Dust is getting closer now. <laughs> One guy. I'm scared. The next guy. Oh, he just just wet himself probably with fear. If you think you're going to make me wet myself with fear, you're too late. I already have, you know. They're just scared to death. Joshua finally, here they're closer, and now they stop. Get off the horses. Who are you guys? We're not scared of you. About to pass out from fear. Finally, one of them steps up and says, Hello, we are from a far distant land. I bet his friends go, See, we have started from a far distant land. You told us that. And we have just arrived. We are not your enemies. We do not live in this town. 
We are just looking back for a Motel 6 to stay for the night. Soldier gets right down off his horse, walks up nose to nose, face to face, says, I don't believe you. And I feel like killing you because I think you live in this town and you're just trying to dodge the bullets we got for you. We are from a distant town. You know what he could have said? Dropped his, please don't kill us. Please don't kill us. Okay. <laughs> but he didn't do that. He didn't beg. He kept up with this rouge, they called it. They continued to have the mask on that they wore. And they pretend like there's somebody else here for the next few minutes, like you and I do sometimes. Does it work? Well, let's check it out. Chapter 9. When all the kings west of the Jordan heard about the things that Joshua was doing, they banded together and were going to fight him. The, the smart Gibeonite people said, we ain't going to band together against these guys. They will kill us all. Our best... Our best effort is to fool them. So they resorted to a rouge. Chapter 9, verse 3. The people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai. He beat them to death. So they resorted to a rouge. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks and old wineskins, cracked and mended. The men put worn and patched sandals on their feet, wore old clothes. All the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. Then they went to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal and said to him and the men of Israel, We have come from a distant country. Please make a treaty with us. The men of Israel said to the Hivites, But perhaps you live near us. How then can we make a treaty with you? We are your servants, said, they said to Joshua. But Joshua asked, Who are you and where do you come from? One more chance to tell the truth. They answered, your servants, <clears throat> your servants, your <clears throat> voice is just cracking my down. He's probably just scared to death. Your servants have come from a very distant country because of the fame of the Lord your God. We have heard reports of him, all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan. Must have been getting a newspaper every day wherever they live. But we've been, oh, king of Bashan, they just keep going. We've heard about you. And he said, now... They decide to trick them. After they listened to their words, they said, Here, take some of our provisions for your journey. Go and meet them and say, you know, their elders said this. Why don't you take some provisions to this Joshua army? So here's our provisions. Tell them we are your servants. Make a treaty with us. Verse 12. This bread of ours was warm when we, what? When we packed it at home on the day we left and came to you. But see how dry and moldy it is? You can tell we couldn't live around here. This bread would not be old and moldy. And these wineskins that we feel were new, but now look how cracked they are. And look at our clothes and our sandals. and our, We're just worn out. Look. You know what they should have said right there? Two words. Joshua needs to look straight at them and says, You're lying, and we're going to kill you. But instead they go, Well, okay. They took a little box. That bread is moldy. Would you have tried it, by the way? That's just part from the story. That's so like, this milk is all curdled. Take it. It is sour. It, cottage cheese comes out of your mouth. It's like, if somebody told me how bad their food was, I don't know if I, here's sample her. Sample that bread. It's nasty. I don't think I would have wanted to try it anyway. They did. Here, sample our bread. Sample our provisions that look like they're writing and baking. Okay. So they sample them and go, that bread does taste crusty, and their clothes are worn. Now they're starting to believe the lie. 
And they turn and they say this. The men of Israel sampled their provisions, but they did not ask God about it. Now they're on their own. We don't even need God. God, are these people lying? Because they are, just let us know. They're lying. Thank you. That's probably what we need to know. You did. But they did not inquire of the Lord. They didn't pray. They said, okay. And I bet you this guy who's been lying all with the mask on, Joshua puts his hand out, and about that time that guy goes, he's going to kill. We believe you. We'll spare your lives. Good to meet you. They drive off, and a big cloud of dust now leaves them, and all these Gibeonites go, fall over. We did it. We fooled them. Yes. And they're sitting there doing handsprings. We wore the Batman mask long enough to fool them. Next day, the dust comes back. Guess who's coming back? Joshua. Somebody told Joshua that these guys were lying. It ain't going to be. It's going to get real ugly right now. Shrek reunion. It's going to get real ugly real quick. Joshua shows back up and says, Guys, we heard about y'all. Y'all don't live far off. You live right here, and you're Gibeonites. Okay, we'll come clean. Who did that before? Achan said, I come clean. I stole things. You're still dead. Gibeonites come and say, Okay, we... We did this, but we were just so scared of you. And Joshua's men take out the swords and are about to get them and says, Joshua says, wait. We made a treaty with them. We can't kill them. Oh, come on. You don't ever let us have any fun. Let's just kill them. Can't do that. Put the swords back up. And Joshua held. Joshua says, they may have lied to us, but I'm going to tell the what? Truth to them. We told you we wouldn't hurt you. We won't. But we'll, we'll take you a few of you to be wood carrot cutters and water carriers. In other words, you can be slaves to us. Well, see, beach dying today. Okay, so he takes some of the Gibeonites and takes them on. So let's see. Joshua chapter 9 tells you about the Gibeonites. What do the Gibeonites do? They pretended to be visitors when they were really just a bunch of the locals. Last one, go over to Joshua chapter 24. Last thing I'll show you tonight. Joshua chapter 24. It's the last chapter of Joshua. Last chapter of Joshua. Joshua has now brought these people on and on on their valley, and he's about to die now at the ripe old age of 110. He has seen the Batmans of his life, those that put on acts. Matter of fact, he has seen his own people, Achan, put on an act. He has seen the enemy, the Gibeonites, put on an act. You have in your Christian schools, I used to work in a Christian school, the reason why I say that, I worked in a Christian school before, and some of the people that put on the biggest acts were right there in front of me. We'd have chapel every week. They'd go out and, you know, get drunk and cuss and do all these things, then come to a Christian school. I'm wondering. We have people in high school that do the same thing. The guy that works, you know, head of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and he'll turn around and do stuff that doesn't look very Christian-like. So we have people putting on acts all the time. You'll see them in schools. You'll see them at churches. You'll see them all over the place. Have I ever done that? Yeah, I can't pick on them too much. I used to do that. I was one thing in front of my mom and dad and another thing at school. They call that a hypocrite. I would call it backslidden. I was miserable. And I finally said, God, it's time to take off the mask. And here's who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm a saint. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins and come into my heart a long time ago. I am yours, but I sure haven't been acting like it. But it's time to take off the mask. And I told people, I said, you know what? I'm going to live for the Lord. I ran out of gas one night in my car, got out and was looking for somebody. A guy pulled over. His name, uh, I could tell you, his name was Charlie. He... uh, he decided to uh, give me a ride. I jumped in. There was some, uh, like a six-pack of beer. They used to call them Little Millers or about like this. 
sitting right there. There was eight of them, not just a six-pack, sitting right there. And I got in. He said, oh, how you doing, Edgar? I said, doing great. Just ran out of gas, but I just need to get out of here in town and get some money. He said, well, I'll grab you a beer right there. And I said, you know what? I've tried that a few times, but I don't want to anymore. Well, go ahead and get you one. Now, I'm living for the Lord now. <laughs> what? You? Yep. Living for the Lord. Well, that's, you know, I'm happy for you. I don't want to do it yet, but it's like, wow. What, what happened to you? I decided to do what? Take off the mask. I'm not that guy that tries to be cool and drinks beer. I've done that before. I went to be cool with some people, took a couple drinks. I was at the Pizza Inn or Pizza Den someplace one night, and I thought, well, my friends are right. They'll go, I don't even want to drink, but let me fit in. Let me put the mask on, go over and take a little sip of beer. And, well, that's just that. Hey, I was about ready to vomit. I went out to the car. I can still remember and got into the car that night. Somebody else was driving. I leaned my head against the cold glass because glass is often cold in the car. I leaned it against the cold glass and said, God, if you can get me home without me vomiting in the car, which is going to be embarrassing. Vomiting ain't cool, you know. You don't say, wow, you are really, you're really cool. All right. Now, most people will not think you're cool. They'll think you're weird or something, you know. So I leaned my head against the glass. Oh, Lord. I said, I won't ever drink again. Just get me home. Guess what? I've never drank again. I kept my word. And now I even tell other people, don't drink. It's okay. But some people, well, drink in moderation. Can I just have a little of that? Well, if you can drink in moderation, I won't preach against you. I'm not saying drinking's bad. It's of the devil. I won't, I won't do that to you. But most people can't drink because it's not right. You know, it's like, if I do that, I'm going to drink a lot more. Or if I do this, matter of fact, it's you can't drink because you're under. I tell my driver's ed guys, you can't. And somebody will say, how come I can't drink? Well, for one thing, it's illegal for you. Okay, and I guess he sits back down at that because he didn't realize he's about to put his foot in his mouth. You can't drink in Virginia unless you're 21. My guys are 16. So I sit in there and tell them, why do this? So here's what I have to do. I ask you to take a mask off and say, for me it was that. Maybe it was for you, somebody else. Do you act the same way at school as you do at the house? You don't have to raise your hand. Do you act the same way at church as you do somewhere? Well, here's what Joshua said. He stood up and he's about to die. And he says, fellas, I want to talk to you one last time. Could I have your attention, please? And he went like this, Doot, microphone fed back. He says, you guys who have lived for Jesus all your life, live for God, I'm proud of you. Some of you have learned the hard way, like the Aiken family. Some of you have learned the hard way to quit putting on an act. Now, some of you, when I get through talking today, are going to continue to put on the act. And you know what? Some of you at camp right now are going to leave maybe unchanged. I pray not, but some of you will. You'll come in and leave the same way. And Joshua said the same thing to his guys. He said, you know, some of you won't change just because I'm talking to you today, but some of you will. And if I can just change you a little bit or encourage you, here's what I want you to do. Joshua chapter 24, here's what he said. He looked out over the people and he said, some of you are going to go back to serving the gods of the Amorites and the Hittites and the Jezebites and the Mosquito Bites. Some of you are going to go back and just serve those gods that they used to all a long time ago. And if that's what you want to do, do it. I wish you wouldn't, but I, just do it. But some of you will decide to follow the Jehovah God, the real God, and that's what you'll do. But let me tell you right now, here's what me and my household will do. Look at Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. And if I could sort of just put this up in your face, here's what Joshua did to them. Chapter 24, let's look at verse 14. Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. You know what he just now said? Make that everyday language. Throw away the things. Quit hiding the beer cans, the Playboy magazines. Get rid of the Internet. Get rid of the trash in your life. I bet you everybody was going like this. Wow, how does he know that? Because Joshua's a pretty smart guy and he knows that you're normal. 
He said, get rid of all the things that will pull you away from God. I bet you people are going, wow. Throw away the things that your forefathers worship beyond a river. In today's language, he'd say, get rid of the sinful things in your life. Verse 15, he's just going to hit them right between the eyes. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for you. I can just imagine his voice getting louder. Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're now living. But as for me and my house, what? We will serve the Lord. And I bet you people are. So Joshua's always like saying, I don't care whether you laugh at me or not, but my family will serve God until the day I die, which wasn't too long after that. And it's sort of like you. So if I stood up and said, listen, if you want to pretend like you're Batman, if you want to be someone else at school, and stuff, you do what you want to. I, just like I told my friend Charlie, you do what you want to. You continue to drink your beer and think you're cool, drive your fast barracuda. You just do what you want to. But as for me, I'm going to start living for Jesus because it's a life that counts. Woo! Charlie might have thought I was weird. I didn't care. You've got to get to the point that Jesus, what Jesus thinks is more important than what everybody here on earth thinks. And when God says... Edgar, that's a good job. You're going to live for me? Absolutely. My life's yours. And from that day when I was about 22, and I'm 58 right now, I've never went back on that. Does that mean I'm perfect? No, I fall short sometimes. I wonder, God, why do you even call me to be a church planner? But I've never regretted my decision. So what am I doing for you this week? I don't want you to be an Aiken and hide stuff. I don't want you to be a Gibeonite. Well, Gibeonites didn't hide. No, but they just really pretended to be, well, we're this or that. Don't be hiding your sins like Achan. Don't be like the Gibeonites, pretend to be somebody that you're not, but be like the people that Joshua just now encouraged. He says, I don't care what the world does, but as for me and my house, we'll serve God. Joshua, just before he knew he would die, he warned in his challenge to people, take a stand, be who you are, take the mask off, and I would just love it. Wouldn't it be cool in Joshua's day if they just look over there and they're all standing around the fire? And we'll have one Thursday or Friday of this week, but they're sitting there and they're all standing around the fire. And you come up behind them and go, Looks like something's burning. And you look down and go, looks like a Batman mask. Wouldn't that be cool? And Joshua says, yeah, we all took off our mask tonight. And those who weren't living for God decided to. And they tossed some mask in the fire there. And they say, dirty or ugly or whatever I am, I'm here. God, you send me for what I am. No more mask. Would you pray with me? Close your eyes. We're going to close in prayer. Dear Jesus, tonight, it's a simple message of this. We can't hide our sin. We can't pretend to be something that we're not. And it's time to take off the mask and be who we really are. And God, it's sort of silly. We try to put on a mask and hide from you. How crazy is that? The God who made us in our mother's womb, who knitted us together a long time ago, for some 12 years, for some 16, you've knitted them together years ago, and yet we try to fool you. God, we can't fool you. And why you don't strike us dead like Achan is because you're grace. Why you don't just... Whip us like uh, the Gibeonites deserve for lying. But yet, God, instead, God, you do some outlandish things, something like sending your son Jesus to come down, die on a cross, and pay for all the sins. And then you, you and Jesus, who seated at the, your father, you, you, the Father's right hand. So God the Father and God the Son seated together. And now you wait for us, touch our hearts, and want us to respond. And some will. And some will say, okay, no more masks. I'll just take these masks off and it's time to quit being Batman, Superman, or whoever I'm trying to be in front of my friends and and just be honest with my God. So dear Jesus, tonight someone is here that says, uh, okay, you know what, you're right. No more pretending. I'm just going to be honest. And you come before God and you say, God, here I am. 
You've promised in your word if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us. So I confess my sins. To confess means to agree. I agree with you. I need to have sins forgiven and my life cleansed. I'm not going to hide sins like Achan. I'm not going to pretend to be someone else like the Gibeonites. I'm going to be like Joshua said. As for me and my house, as for me, I want to serve you, God. Now, some people under the sound of my voice want to serve you. Jesus, would you give them that faith and trust to do that? In your name I pray.